Good afternoon. Well, good evening. Yeah. Um, I don't think we'll go over the the announcements. I think everything is the same as I said this morning. So grab you a bulletin on your way out and a prayer list. We don't mention that enough, but we do keep a running prayer list out there at the information booth next to the bulletins. They're next to the bulletins. So just grab one, and if you think about it, just say a prayer for the people that are on there. We all need each other. So we're going to go ahead and praise the holy name of Jesus. If y'all want to stand on your feet, we'll go ahead and, and worship tonight. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for bringing us all together one more time, God, into your presence, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for the day we've had today, God. Thank you for a, the good service we had this morning, God, and for the lives that were touched, Father. Father, we pray that those healing miracles would just continue to come through from the prayers that were prayed in Jesus' holy name. Let's go ahead, guys.
praise you tonight. Hallelujah, Father God, we praise you in your house tonight. You know, if we just praise, it'll take away a whole lot of other, other worry. If we just praise our way through it as we're going. Anytime our mind gets overwhelmed, if we just start praising and praying and thanking him in advance for what he's going to bring to us, it works. It works. He's always there to, to meet us where, we at, where we're at. So, Father, help us tonight to stretch a little bit further towards you every day, God, with our praise. Thank you, Jesus. Child, yes, my child, won't you walk on the waters with me? 
Hallelujah has two different meanings. Uh, the word says hallelujah is I'm praising the Lord. And hallelujah also means will you join me in praising the Lord. 
So it has a twofold meaning. I'm gonna worship him and you're gonna join me and worship him. And let's do that together. Lord, we bless your name. We declare hallelujah to the Lord. Worthy, worthy to be magnified, worthy to be glorified. You are the strength of our lives. You are our rock, you are our fortress, you are our high tower, you are our deliverer. You're worthy of all the adoration, you're worthy of all the exaltation, for you are God. And we declare your goodness, Lord, we declare your mercy. And Father, we thank you that in your faithfulness, that Lord, we are more than conquerors, that in your victory, we are victorious. Thank you, Lord, that we carry within us the promise that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And thank you, Lord, for the promise that we are overcomers through you and that, Lord, we get to live in the peace and the joy of the Lord. So, Lord, we bless you, we magnify, we glorify your name. Thank you for the blessings that we enjoy. We know from where our blessings come. They come from you. And we give you the glory, the honor, the praise. We bless your name. Amen, amen. God is so very good to us. Amen. If you would, you can be seated. And I'd like to invite those that are receiving the offering. Are we receiving the offering? Yes, bless you. We're going to receive a Sunday evening tithe and offering. And thank God for his faithfulness. Amen. As we pray for the offering, if you would, please agree together with me for the deacons in the selection of the right pastor for the church because we're interceding together for that. Father, we pray your blessing upon the offering that, Lord, you would bless each one in their obedience of giving. And, Lord, we claim your promise that, Lord, right now, the obedience of giving, even a tithe, and, Lord, in our tithe, we know that you want to use it for your purpose. It's our investment in your kingdom. So, Lord, bless the gift, the giver, and, Lord, honor them and Father, we pray that you'd open up the windows of heaven, pour out those blessings upon them, give the deacons wisdom in every decision concerning the expenditures of the money. And God, we pray for the right pastor. Lord, bring the right individual that you want to be pastor of this church, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, man. Bless your heart. Facial hair must be in. Every one of us have it, don't we? I think I've got the least facial hair on the platform, but uh, facial hair is in. God is good. Some of y'all woke up about halfway through that, didn't you? Yeah. <clears throat> if you would, get out your Bibles with me. I, I want to preach to you this evening, and, and of course, that's why I'm here. 
Uh, I thank you for the opportunity given me to be able to be with you and, and to come and preach God's word to you. It's a blessing for Paula and I. One of the things about being a preacher is, is my wife gets tired of hearing me preach to her. And so that's why I really love it when I get to come and preach to someone else other than her. Yeah. She's been saved a number of times and, and, and it's, it's good to be able to kind of spread it around just a little bit. But thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And, and honestly, I know you're with me. We're looking for the time when I don't come back. We're looking for the time when you got your pastor and, and it's, it's going to happen and God's will is going to be done. And we're going to hang on until then. And, and God's got a plan. Let, let me mention to you, please, uh, tonight's message, find Mark chapter five. We're going to look at a, a very familiar story. The title of the message is touching the master. But let me remind you next Sunday is Easter. If you notice someone has not been attending church, it's not an insult for you to call and invite them. And if you would just call and say, hey, I just want you to know we miss you and we'd love to have you Easter Sunday with us. And honestly, what it might be is you get them to come and then it, they'll get back to coming to church and they'll get back in. I hate to call it a habit, the habit of attending because I don't look at it as a habit. I look at it as faithfulness. I look at it as do, us doing what we're supposed to do. And it's critical that we fellowship together. But the Lord, the word of God tells us that in these last days, there are going to be those that quit assembling together. And what well, we're seeing a fulfillment of that prophetic word. But let's try to do everything we can to get people here. Let's have a prayer for the word. Father, I pray you're anointing upon your word tonight. You knew exactly who would be here. And Father, I pray anointing upon your word, both the speaker and the receiver. I pray for those that are joining by way of live stream that Lord, you're your Holy Spirit would fill that room right there where they are. And Lord, may we for the next few minutes, may we focus upon your word. May our attention go to you, your Holy Spirit and your word. Accomplish what you desire through this word. In Jesus name, amen, amen. If I was to ask the question, what is the primary purpose for the existence of the church? Consider some answers that it might be. Is it to provide a place for Christians to gather in fellowship? Is it for people to unite together in praise and worship? Again, some of you, I got your attention, not everybody, but here. What is the primary purpose for the existence of Lone Grove Assembly of God Church? What is the primary purpose for the existence? Is it to reach out to the poor and needy? Is it to be a place for the gifts of the spirit to be in operation? Is it a place for Christians to have their spiritual, physical, and emotional needs met? See, when we consider the primary purpose of the church, our mind goes to a variety of both good, valid, and important reasons. Everyone I listed is good, is valid, is an important but our primary purpose is the purpose that Jesus gave us. If you were to consider what is the primary purpose for the existence of Lone Grove Assembly of God Church, I believe we find that from Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus, we refer to this as the great commission. Some people look at it as the great option. Either I can or I do not. It's not an option. It's a commission. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. Understand, 
You don't make saved people. You reach the lost. You make disciples. There's a tremendous difference. If you'll notice, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I'm a preacher teacher. I think you've learned that by now. I love teaching the word. And I believe that we need to be in the church making disciples, teaching people. And notice the commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. That's the Great Commission. Our primary purpose is to reach out to all nations. Our primary purpose is to reach out to all people and to make disciples of them, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them. It's critical. It's, it's amazing to me. One of the things that I have constant in my personal ministry, and you've done it also, I have people come up to me on a regular basis and say, I've never heard anybody teach like you do. You teach and preach. And that's sad because this, this ought to be what everybody does because this is what we're called to do is to preach and teach. Now, yes, there are many other objectives and activities in the church that are good, valid, and important, but I'm talking about our primary. Our primary purpose must be emphasized above everything else. You've got to emphasize the primary purpose for Long Grove Assembly of God Church. In Matthew 16 and 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates represent authority. And the reality is the authority of hell will not come against the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church. So we are to reach out to the lost. We're here to build God's kingdom. We're here to increase heaven's population. Anybody say amen? We're here to lead people to Jesus Christ. We're here to share the simple truth of love, forgiveness, and salvation found in Jesus Christ, Lord of all. Amen. That is, that is our purpose. Uh, Luke 19 and 10, notice with me, Jesus said this. He said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that, is that which is lost. If that's his cause, his cause, I've come for the purpose to seek and to save. If that's his purpose, it ought to be our purpose. Uh, we represent him, so it ought to be our primary purpose. Okay, this is going to get a little challenging tonight. Uh, there's my introduction. Uh, if you're a thinker and kind of go with me, then you, you, you kind of figured me out by now. And that is, I put a hook out there, I put an introduction, and then I come and now let's go to the Word, if you would, please. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 is a story that many of us are pretty familiar with. It's a lady. She's been sick for 12 years. Notice with me, if you will, please, verse 25. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. So get the story. The lady is sick, 12 years, issue of blood, now she comes into where Jesus is, pushes her way through the crowd, and she touches Jesus. Verse 28, this is her profession of faith. She said this long before the event, because this is what led up to the event of pushing to the crowd and getting forward to touch Jesus. 
She said this, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. That was her profession of faith. Verse 29, immediately when, verse 27, when she touched his garment, verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the, of, of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I love that story. If you would, I want to do two things with this story. I want us to see it for the story, for the miracle it is. Man, I love the prayer line this morning. I love people coming up and you praying with them and us touching faith together. Just a very beautiful time. And we're praying for our sister having surgery this week, and we're going to remember that. And thank God for, for God meeting us around the altars in prayer. So what I want us to do tonight is I want to look at this story from one perspective of the miracle, that just the story of the beautiful miracle. And then I want to also look at the story as a parable or a parallel to the church. So if you would, let's look at this and let's see the woman. If I was looking at it as a parallel or a parable to the church, the woman equals the lost. And so let's see it from both perspectives, the story of the woman who is sick and also as a parallel, like I said, you're going to have to think a little bit as a comparison to the lost. If you will, to understand the woman, her thinking, her concern, and her focus, you've got to go to back to the Levitical law. And when you go back to the Levitical law, you find out how totally devastating the disease that she had was. And let me just read it here. It says, Leviticus 15 and 25 through 27. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than at the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean, unclean discharge, she, all of the days she shall be as the days of her customer, customary impurity. She shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her impurity. And whatever she sits on shall be unclean as the uncleanness of her impurity. Whoever touches those things shall be unclean. He shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Uh, the, the magnitude of this specific sickness is she was known as unclean. And notice with me, if you would, notice the consequences. She was labeled unclean. Her bed and everything she sat on was labeled unclean. Whoever touched the things that she sat on or laid on was labeled unclean. All the days of her sickness, she was an outcast. And it was only after the bleeding stopped that the priest could make a sacrifice for her. You read the next couple of verses. Eight days later, it had to be eight days after the bleeding stopped before there could be a sacrifice for the woman to now be declared clean, not unclean. 
So this woman had to overcome a lot to be in public, to be in a crowd of people, and to reach out and touch the master. By Levitical law, when she come into public, this is what she was supposed to do. Unclean, just like a leper. Uh, when she came around people, she was supposed to declare that, I'm unclean, don't come near me, don't touch me. Are you with me? That was the declaration that under the Levitical law, it was required of her to, it was almost like a lack of integrity for her if she didn't let other people know she was unclean. Because if you touch me, you're gonna be unclean. And so it was her requirement to keep other people from touching her so they would not be unclean. Are you with me? Now understand, her touch was the touch of the unclean. And she reached out. She was reaching out to touch a holy man, Jesus. She was reaching out to touch a single man. Jesus had never been married. She's reaching out to touch a rabbi, noted by all as a teacher. She was reaching out to touch, and her touch would make him unclean. She knew that. She knew from the Levitical law that if she touched this rabbi that she was reaching out by faith to touch, she knew, according to the law, that he would be unclean. Now, this was her thinking. You got to understand her thinking. You got to understand her concern and you got to understand her fear because she had to overcome a whole lot to come into this crowd and reach out and touch Jesus. Are you with me? She had to overcome a lot. Now we can understand why she came behind the crowd. Uh, one of the, the gospels, uh, now we have the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They are the synoptic gospels. They record much of the same material for the most part, you'll see just about 75 to 80% of each of the books in other books, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John, 92% of John is only in John. That's why many people ask people, when you first get saved, read John, because some 92% of John you'll not find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're the Synoptic. But when you go to the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke and read this story, well, you'll find a little bit difference. But one says this, that when she reached out, she touched the hem. Are you with me? Some of you are nodding like you remember reading it. Touched the hem of his garment. What does that tell us? That tells us she was down on the ground. Yeah. Are you with me? Uh, she reached through the crowd and somehow through the crowd, maybe she was knocked down. Maybe somebody uh, saw her that knew her. I don't know what it was, but that somehow she reached through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. Now, now we understand why with fear and trembling, she told him the whole truth. See, this is the whole truth. And, and with fear and trembling, she told Jesus the whole truth. What was the whole truth? For 12 years, I've had this sickness. For 12 years, I've been, un are you with me? That's the whole truth. So the woman had a sickness and she needed healed. I want you to see this parallel. The woman equaling the lost or the unclean. Today, we're living in a world of bleeding people. Desperate. For some, the bleeding is internal and hidden from sight. Many of these don't even know that they're losing their life-sustaining blood. Uh, they are still partying. They're still caught up in the party life. 
the acceptance found in the drugs they're still enjoying, uh, the escape of alcohol, the thrill of immoral sex, the feeling of control in, the, in their personal rebellion gives them some type of high. Uh, their bleeding is internal and it is hidden. I will tell you that my ministry through the week, other than on the weekend, is at Yukon Discovery Church. And Yukon's uh, in, a, in a growing community. In fact, I'll tell you, it's the fastest growing county in Oklahoma, is Canadian County. And uh, there are people that are just flooding into that area. And the reality is, is there's so many hurting people. I can tell you that on a Wednesday evening, we have new people coming in constantly into the church and they're very needy. There's some people that are bleeding inside. You see them, I see them on a regular basis and they're bleeding inside and they don't even know it. On the other side, for others, the bleeding has now reached the external stage. They've realized their life is slipping away and they're about to die. These, for them, they've reached the place where the party is not fun anymore. They've reached the place where the friends are seen as takers and users and abusers. They've reached the place where the drugs have robbed them of their mind and even their will. They've reached the place where the alcohol is now a needed crutch. The bleeding has become external. You can see it. For these, they've reached the place where sex has made them feel cheap and dirty, sick, unwanted, and no hope of a lasting relationship. Both of these groups, both of them are bleeding, and both of them are in desperate need of a touch from the master, both of them. And see, we need to understand their thinking. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, we need to understand her thinking from the Levitical law, but we need to understand the thinking of the lost world around us. Uh, we need to understand their concern and their for, even their fear. Uh, note with me that last sentence up there, and that is this. When these people come into our church, they feel dirty, unwanted, unwelcome, and they feel unclean. Um, their lives are abused. Maybe, maybe she's been used sexually and, and abused over and over, and, and he's been a drug addict, and, and man, needle marks here and tattoos everywhere. And they come into Yukon Church, and, and I wish they would come in here. I wish they would mess up your pretty church. Are you with me? And, but please understand, you've got to understand, if I could take you, church, to a place of understanding, I would try to get you to understand they don't know your songs. Are you with me? They, they, don't, they don't know the code of ethics of what are we going to do next. Are you with me? Okay, when they come into this church, they feel dirty, they feel unwanted, they feel unwelcome, and they feel unclean. Like the woman, if any one of these can just get to the master and touch him, the master can make them well and whole. And our desire is to be able to see that happen. Okay, if you would please, number one, the woman equals the lost. Number two, the crowd equals the church. If you'll notice with me, the crowd was so concerned with their personal needs that they ignored those around them. The crowd made such a tight group around Jesus that no one else could make it to him. The crowd was so, so an obstacle 
that the woman had to overcome the crowd to get to Jesus. We don't want to be like the crowd. Uh, The sad reality is, is that this describes many churches and many Christians today. There are churches, there are Christians today that are keeping the unclean from being able to touch the master. And we don't want to be that way. Can anybody say amen? Uh, Many are so concerned with their own personal needs that they ignore the needs of the people around them. Uh, Many are part of such a tight group that they keep others from being able to make. We don't want this to be a clique or a groupy church. We want to be able to allow the hurting in and those that need to touch Jesus. We want to say, touch the master. Let me get out of your way so you can touch him. If you will, many, many are obstacles keeping people away from Jesus. Uh, Please note, we need to help the bleeding get to Jesus, not keep them away from him. Amen. That's our heartbeat. Um, If you will note this, we need to show the world that you don't have to be a jerk to be a Christian. Amen. 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 You know, I've been around a few Christians and not, not so bad here, thank God, but I've been around a few Christians that made me almost just not even want to have anything to do with church. And over and over what we find, and there's a podcast that I'm a part of. I'm the oversight of um, a podcast for the unbeliever. And in fact, I'm going to be speaking on it a week from Wednesday. And this podcast is the 10th most popular Christian podcast right now in the world. And it's just amazing what's happened through this podcast. And people coming on this podcast, it's a podcast for unbelievers. Uh, There's Satanists that come on. Uh, there are pagans that come on. There's people from every background come on. And what you'll hear over and over and over, because the purpose for the podcast is allow people to be able to come and share their background and hear how Jesus can change their lives. And if you'll let them talk for a while and tell their background and not be critical of them, just listen to them for a while, ask a couple of pointed questions. There's some real important questions to ask. And the moderator's so good at it. And I listen to them every week. And then they come up to me Wednesday night and say, okay, what'd you think about this one? What can we do different? And what we'll find is they'll ask these specific questions. And one of the questions asked over and over is, what is your history with God? Have you ever been a Christian? And I will tell you almost every time, almost every time, and it doesn't matter if it's a pagan, it doesn't matter if it's a Satanist, uh, as evil and as awful as they are now, almost every time that one time they were a Christian. And why are you not in church now? Why are you not a Christian? And they go back to a story of something that happened in church that caused them to get mad at God. Okay, now please look at me and get this. Don't, God, don't judge God based on something man has done. Amen. That's what we have such a tendency to do. So many times you see people leave church, get away from church, get mad at God because of uh, sickness, divorce, or problem, and just get mad at God, and then quit coming to church, quit seeking God, and they blame God for something man did. Okay, understand this. People are looking for an excuse to not come. Let's don't give it to them. Let's don't be the reason people don't come to Lone Grove Assembly. Amen? I I know this is kind of getting real personal, but uh, I I think we need it. Okay? We will not win the loss criticizing them. This was a problem, and, and I've been in the ministry a number of years, and I can tell you, we messed up in the 80s and the 90s. 
we messed up. The ministry of the church that I was involved in, it was in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, First Assembly of God Church. The church grew to about 800, and it was a great, great strong church. But I'm going to tell you, there was some thinking back in the 70s and 80s concerning church that I think caused the problem that we're seeing in our culture today. People left the church, got disillusioned with the church. We, we, were, we were more concerned with everybody wearing a tie, all the ladies wearing dresses. You know, you're going to go to hell if you wear that dress to church. Are you with me? Okay, and it was, you know, if you go to ball games, if you do anything for fun, you know, all of that's sin. And so they made it so hard to be a Christian, and it made them and us. And God never intended it for us to be a them and us. We're to be inclusive. The, the, the them is supposed to be welcome among us. <laughs> Amen. So we will not win the lost criticizing them. Uh, we will not encourage commitment by condemning them. I understand, we will not represent Jesus by belittling them. You know, I, I'm sorry they're a drug addict. Let us get you some help. I'm sorry you're an alcoholic. You know, it, it, that doesn't mean you're demon-possessed. That means you need Jesus. Okay. We need to love, care, and help people to get to Jesus. We don't want to be a roadblock. We don't want to be a barrier keeping them away from Jesus. I've heard people say with some type of spiritual superiority, I'll tell them what I think. Wow. I've heard people say with some type of spiritual, spiritual uh, superiority say, I'm not afraid to tell them where they're wrong. I'll tell them where they're wrong. You, you need to not be, are you with me? Uh, yes. We've had too much of that. Uh, my answer is Proverbs 17 and 28. Even the, wise, even the fools seem wise when they keep their mouth shut. So if you're an idiot, keep your mouth shut and you'll look smart. Are you with me? Just keep your mouth shut. Amen. Okay. Uh, we don't want to be like the... Thank you all for laughing at me. I appreciate that. Now, the Holy Spirit is here to tell people where they're wrong. Are you with me? It's not my job, not your job. You know, little sister so-and-so or little brother so-and-so over here that thinks it's their job to point out to everybody. I love the fact of something that happened this morning. Lady come up with a prayer line. And she wanted anointed and prayed for to be delivered from cigarettes. Nobody told her. She, uh, I've watched her and her husband and they rededicated their life to the Lord about three weeks ago. And nobody went up and told her, hey, you need to quit. Because you hugger and you can smell. Anybody who doesn't smoke and you're around people. My dad smokes Campbell cigarettes until he accepted the Lord. And man, he'd, we'd get in a car with the windows rolled up and dad would light up a cigarette and all those kids, you know, you know it's just awful. And, and so I, I know what it's like to be around cigarettes. And, and all, you just have to be around somebody, just come up close to them, he gets in their clothes. And, you know, but... Thank God nobody was telling her what she needed to do. She came up this morning and asked, asked for prayer. And she leaned forward, would you pray for me to be delivered from cigarettes? That's the Holy Spirit. That's what God does, not you and not me. That's not our job. Now, some Christians are like Amway or Herbalife salesmen. 
and that is, is that you never want to ask them about their product. Because you ask them about their product, they're going to try to sell you something. Are you with me? You know, uh, I believe they ought to ask us about our product and be able to tell their story. Talk to me. I want to find out where you're at. You know, you ask an Amway or a Herbalife salesman about their product, they're just going to talk to you for 30 minutes. The next thing you know, they're going to get you to sign on the line, and, and I want to be able to make money off of you. Are you with me? I don't think we ought to. I hope there's no Herbalife salesman here, but uh, we need to not be doing that. Okay, we need to let people ask us questions about Christianity. And we need to be open with them and interact with them and, and, and not uh, us dominate the conversation. Can you tell me? One good thing to ask is this. Can you tell me your story? Where, where you come from? Tell, tell me your history. And when you let the lost talk to you for a while and just tell you their story, that's you caring. Because this is something that should happen around the altars here. And maybe just for a while. Uh, you know what? The altars are for the lost to find Jesus. And sometimes I think we get a little bit too busy and a little bit too hurried around the altar. But I have found around the altars, I talk to people. In fact, over and over, I have people around the altar say, hey, can I talk to you? And you just pull off to the side, find your pew, and start talking to them. And then ask a couple of open-ended questions. You know what open-ended questions are. They're questions that cannot be answered with yes or no. And open-ended questions are questions that begin with, where, what, how. See, when I ask you where, you can't say yes. You're going to have to tell me where. Uh, what, how, how, how did this happen, and where did it, where are you from? You know, you got to open into questions. And then before long, you'll get somebody lost because they're coming. Uh, what am I doing tonight? I'm trying to prepare you for what's coming. When they, when they come lost, from these people around here that are lost, man, Paul and I took a few moments and drove around some, some of these communities. You've got housetops everywhere. There's no reason why this church shouldn't be full. And the reality is when these messed up lives, see, we want the messed up lives to come in. We, we don't want the squeaky clean Christians to come in. If they've got another church they're going to, stay in your church. We don't, we don't want to just change churches. Are you with me? Y'all need this. And what we need is we need to build the kingdom of God, not just kind of be a rotating kingdom of God. Okay, we need to build it. Now, questions to challenge all of us is this. How many lost people have you talked to this week? Consider this. How many lost people have you been friendly to this week? How many lost people have you invited to church this week? Now, this is challenging questions for all of us. How many lost have you invited to accept Jesus this week? How many lost have you reached for the Lord this week? And the reality is when you're able to do that, it all begins with a conversation, with talking to them and just opening up dialogue. A Jehovah Witness stated that he, for every Saturday, knocked doors for 28 years and had four converts for 28 years, a Jehovah Witness. A Mormon must get in 1,000 homes to make one convert. 
they'll get to get in 1,000 homes. This is the point I'm making. Door-to-door -door evangelism doesn't work any longer. It did in one time in our culture in, back in the 50s, in the 60s. There was such a thing as door-to-door -door evangelism. The Baptists had a whole kit on it, and they taught it from church to church, and, you, and, it, and, it, and it worked back then. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't work today. You go knock on somebody's door, and if they answer, some of them will have a gun in their hand, and you're going, what do you want? You know, and door-to-door -door evangelism doesn't work today. What works today is friendship evangelism. In other words, you build a relationship as a friend, you know, because you have a sports, I've got a Z4 BMW sports car, and I go around other guys that have sports cars. We start talking about sports cars, you know, and I've got a Razor, a, a four by four, you know, four wheel drive Razor, and I hit the mud and go play in the woods. And you get out there in the woods and you talk to other lost guys. And, and the reality is, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, you need to build friendships with the lost. I have guys I work out with every week. And this past week, one of the guys was telling me about his girlfriend, and he's, uh, he's an old dude, he's like me, he's like 70 years old, and, and he's got this girlfriend, and, and she's got cancer, and, and he just found out that, and, and, you know, and you talk to him, and man, he's an old hard dude, and, and he's from New York, and he cusses like a sailor, but the reality is he knows I care. And so what we need is friendship evangelism. Build relationships with them. Let them know that you're not weird. You're, you're, you're a regular dude. You're a regular guy. You like cars. You like whatever it is you like. I hope it's not Barbies. But you, you like something, okay? Okay, Christianity is good. Can you say amen? amen. Christianity does not have to be boring. Amen. Are you with me? Okay, Christians do not have to be weird. You know, we can have the same hobbies. You know, I have, a, I have lost friends that have the same hobbies I do. Uh, we can interact together. We, you know, yesterday, let me tell you, in the 70s and 80s, we couldn't. You went there where those lost people were, Mary, I'm beginning to worry about you, you know. Uh, listen, that's, that, that was the problem. That's why we lost. We lost the battle. We got to admit it. Christianity has become weird, and Christianity is depicted as something that is strange. But God never intended it to be this way. He wants to, Jesus was known as what? A friend of sinners. If you have marriage, supper of the Lamb, make sure you get Jesus there. He's a lot of fun. Are you with me? Okay. See, the crowd, the church, must not keep people away from Jesus. We must get people to Jesus. I want you to see something with me and let it, if you would, touch your heart like it has mine. And it's this, look at the screen with me and read that. And that is, if we send a letter and it does not reach its destination, we call it lost. If the Lord sent us to the unbeliever and we don't go, then who should be called lost? Maybe us. So the woman equals the lost. The crowd equals the church. Number three, this is the last one. Jesus is the answer. For all, for all. 
If you will, verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Jesus was the answer for her miracle, no longer unclean. The woman's change came immediately. I love that over and over, that word was used twice. And immediately her, the blood flow was stopped. Her, her touching the master changed her life. Go back to the Levitical law, undo all of it now. Now she was clean. Now she could touch and be touched. Now her family could be restored. Now her marriage could be complete like it should be. Now she could live a life again. Now she was declared clean. She was healed. Jesus gave her back her life. In verse 34, please get this. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Okay, think with me. When was it that she received her healing? It said when she touched the hem of his garment. Immediately. Are you with me? I use that word immediately. In fact, if you will, please, just in case you question that, I see it in verse 30. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, and then if you will, she touched the hem of his garment. And then verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. So it was that quick. It was immediate. But notice what Jesus tells her. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now she's already been immediately healed. So what is Jesus telling her? He's telling her this. He's saying, woman, you're healed. Now go live like you're healed. Amen. That's what we need, church. Yeah. Uh, we're delivered. Now go live like you're delivered. Yeah. We have victory, like we preached this morning. Now go live like you've got victory. Yeah. Don't just talk about it in church and worship the God, thanking God for it. Now go live like it. Yeah. Go live like you've been healed. Uh, get rid of the spirit of infirmity. The spirit of infirmity is you're sick and you tell everybody about your sickness. All you want to do is talk about your sickness. And it got quiet in the church because we all know those people. You know, you can't go up and say, how are you? Because you're going to have to sit down and take about 30, 45 minutes to hear how they are. And the reality is that is a spirit of infirmity. They find their identity in their infirmity. Uh, their sickness becomes who they are, not what they're battling. That's when it becomes an identity. And so Jesus is saying, lose the identity of unclean. Amen. You've been healed. Now go live like you're healed. No longer be saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. Now go live like it. Go enjoy the complete liberty of the healing you have received. That's what Jesus was teaching her. Now to those who the world has left bleeding without hope, Jesus is the answer. Yes. I'm going to tell you, the world is cruel. Yes. Satan is cruel. He, he's coming to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus wants to give life and give life abundantly. See, to those whose lives are a wreck, Jesus is the answer. One of, there's four paintings that the Assemblies of God uh, went to this artist and asked him to do for the headquarters. 
and the original paintings, which are very expensive, are in the headquarters of the Assemblies of God. Uh, one depicts salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, water baptism, and healing. That's the four fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God. And this is one of those paintings that is in the headquarters of the Assemblies of God. And it is this lady, of course, this is kind of dressed up, you know, because that's very pretty. You know, you know, she's kind of a clean, and I don't think it was that pretty. You know what I mean? That's kind of, that's kind of Americanizing, you know, kind of making everybody look clean and neat and all that. But the reality is that's what she had to do. She had to push through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment. Now, to those needing physical healing, needing a marriage restored, needing direction in their lives, needing encouragement in their heart, Jesus is the answer. Now I'm gonna bring it down to you and me. You're here on a Wednesday, on a Sunday evening, and the reality is you could have been to a dozen different places. You could have gotten your lay in your lazy chair, sit back and watched a movie tonight. Uh, I hear there's been a basketball game on, Paul's been watching them, but I don't think there's one tonight though. It's on tomorrow night. But you could have let anything keep you from being here. But the Holy Spirit brought you here tonight. See, I'm a firm believer that when God gives me a message, He brings together the crowd. Even those that are joining by way of live stream. God knew who would. He would capture their attention, draw them in, and put the seed of His Word there. Now what I want to tell you is, is this. Jesus is your answer. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no, what the, no matter what the circumstances of your personal life, no matter what they are, Jesus is the answer. Those people around you that are lost, I've got a grandson that I'm really interceding for his soul. He knows better. But the devil's doing everything he can to get one of my grandsons. He's the second from the youngest, and I'm, I, I don't want that. My heart's breaking for him and I'm interceding for him. See, it's my role to intercede for the lost. Yes. Now, is Papa Nana gonna love him? We love that guy, and he's gonna know that we love him. But the reality is we can love him with the love of Jesus Christ, but he has to come to the place of being to reach out and touch the master for himself. Yes. Would you stand with me, please? Father, I thank you for the challenge of your word tonight. I thank you, Lord, for giving us this story of this woman and her desperate need and her making her way to you by faith, having her profession of faith, knowing that if she could just touch you, that she would be made well, that she'd be made whole. And thank you, Lord, for the challenge that you gave her to go and, and to be able to live in her healing, to live in the total victory of the, of the healing that she received. And Lord, may we see that tonight. Lord, may we accept the challenge of both the story and the parable. May we see the need of the church. May we see that there are hurting people all throughout the Long Grove community. There are people all around this church that this should be their church. This is where they need to come. There are people all around here that are hurting and desperately need to touch you. And Lord, I pray that we, this church of Long Grove, would not be like the crowd, 
We don't want to keep people away from Jesus. Lord, we want to get people to you. And I pray that that would be a burden that you would place upon this church, that this burden would be to recognize the primary purpose for the existence of this church is to build your kingdom. So Lord, challenge us with this word. And Father, as we open these altars tonight and as we gather around the front just to seek you, Lord, may every need that is given to you tonight, may we be able to surrender it to you, may we lay it at the foot of your throne, and you take the burden, you take the heartache, you take the need, and turn it around to your glory, and may your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, if you would, let me invite you. Would you come and find a place to pray, and let's spend some time around the altar seeking God together. Father. Now we make this a prayer time. Your house is a house of prayer, and this is exactly what we do. We pray. We pray, Father, that in your love that you would draw them in. Reach out to the lost in the Lone Grove community. God, reach out to the north, reach out to the south, reach out to the east, reach out to the west. And Father, draw them in. May there be a drawing of your Holy Spirit that would draw the lost. And Lord, as they come into the church, may they be welcomed. May they they sense your love. May they feel your presence. May they recognize that they're accepted just as they are. Lord, draw the lost. Draw them into this church. I pray that here, Lord, that hear the truth of your word, that here, Lord, they would feel the drawing of your Holy Spirit, that your love would overshadow all condemnation, and that, Lord, you would draw the lost to a place of surrender to you. May they see the truth. May they see the truth that there is an enemy that is trying to destroy them. May they see the truth that The enemy wants to take everything good out of their lives. And may they see the truth that their only hope is Jesus. May they see the truth. And then, Lord, we pray that over and over and over again, they would come to that place as receiving you as Lord and Savior. Become Savior of their lives. Become Lord of their lives. Father, we pray for for the future of this church. We pray for the pastor, Father, that you already have in store, the one that you've already
congregation, will you stand with me, please? Father, thank you for the stirring of your Holy Spirit, and thank you for the future that you have for this church. We know it's a good one. And we pray that, Lord, this church could be a, a tool, an instrument that you can build with. And, Lord, we pray, build your kingdom through this church. Yes. Father, we pray your blessing upon the deacon board and your blessing upon the interview tomorrow evening. And, and Father, your perfect will be done yes. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church family. Bless your heart. See you next Sunday.